The following is a presentation of Main Street Preps, your source for high school sports in Middle Tennessee. This is the Main Street Preps podcast, covering high school sports all across Middle Tennessee. Here are your hosts, Russell Venozzi and Tyler Palmatier. Hello and welcome in to another episode of the Main Street Preps podcast. I'm Russell Venozzi, joined today as always by Tyler Palmatier, and we've got an exciting episode ahead for you guys. We're going to give our takeaways from week two, discuss some of the biggest news items in high school football in the area. Uh, we're going to talk to Pearl Cone head coach Tony Brunetti, and then we're going to give our picks for some of the top week three games across the mid-state. Tyler, you doing all right this morning? I'm doing okay, kind of ringing myself out. I'm ready for this rain to be done. It's I'm definitely more of a dry weather person, and we've and it just seems like we've had nothing but humid and and wet weather for a long time. So, um, but otherwise, doing great. Ready, ready for another week. This might be making up for the fairly dry spring that we had, where we had almost no canceled uh, high school baseball and softball games, but. Yeah, anyway, yeah, I feel like I feel like such a such an idiot. JP uh, and George called me on Friday. They said, "How's the weather out there?" And I said, "Oh, it's really not too bad. You know, it's, it's not too hot." And I got into CPA Stadium, and it was just, I think maybe just the combination of getting in. You kind of know where their stadium sits. It's kind of lower. It's a little bit surrounded by buildings and trees. And I mean, it was a swamp down there. Um, so it was, uh, yeah, don't ask me for any more weather advice. I'll, I'll just stick to <laughs> You know, I'd heard you say that about it not feeling that bad. And I was kind of in the same boat with you because my AC was out all day Friday. And so by the time I showed up to the game, um, you know, standing outside within an open air environment was actually a little bit better than, than being trapped in my little apartment with no AC. So I was, I was with you on that, but I, everybody else that I saw chugging water maybe didn't feel that same way. It's been all day. Yeah, in water, was a, water was a necessity. Yeah, but I hear you. Probably relative to a to a no AC apartment, it might have felt. Yeah. Good. So speaking of week two, let's let's talk about some of our takeaways. There was uh, a lot to be learned from from what happened. Uh, what you kind of make of what happened? I guess just across the landscape last week. Yeah, well, I'll I'll kind of start with I'll speak to the game I was at, which which will have you know D two double A implications kind of or at least gives us a glimpse of what it'll be like but um you know I think I think CPA it's win over Brentwood Academy was really impressive it was not the prettiest game there were a lot of penalties and I mean it was not the cleanest football game but it was sort of a battle of the battle of wills and I, I was really impressed with CPA uh it came back and, and sh- it played a 14-0 shutout second half and uh, just would not. I, I was just really impressed by the resilience. Langston Patterson, his his twenty nine yard touchdown run that kind of sewed this thing up a little bit. Uh, he got shoved in the end zone by a couple offensive linemen, and then Patterson was in on the game saving tackle, which you know with Jackson Matthews also coming in and stripping the ball away. It was a real. It doesn't get a whole lot more dramatic way to end a game than that to just get a goal line stand to to hold on. So. Well, not the prettiest win, but really impressed with CPA's resilience. I think Brentwood Academy is still very good. I know they lost a lot from last year, but Landon Wells, his line as a coming into that quarterback spot, moving over from re- receiver, 19 to 30, 225 yards, one touchdown, one interception. 
he, he's really an impressive little quarterback, and I, I don't mean that in a bad way. He really reminds me of kind of an ornery, one of those smaller ornery athletic quarterbacks that you that you see these days, kind of in the Baker Mayfield mold, where he just he runs around and just finds a way to make plays, and you can't seem to get your hands on him. So really impressive there. And BA is just it has all the BA uh, attributes, you know, and, and one of those things I think is the, the coaching acumen. There's so much good. NFL experience and former college experience on the sidelines. You've got, I know for sure of Rocky Callis and of course, Cody White is a great coach, but that kind of came to fruition toward the end of the first half when BA attempted this, this free kick, you know, which you don't, you see in the NFL, you don't see it in high school where, you know, if you get a fair catch uh, and you immediately attempt a field goal, it's a, it's an uncontested free kick and they, they nailed one from 44 yards. So that just takes a lot of forward thinking. It's sort of a diff. I've never seen a high school coach do it. You don't ever really, you don't see it a whole lot in the NFL, but it is prevalent. And it seems about half of the people know about it. Half people don't. I was in the category of people who didn't. I was very confused at the time when it happened. So I think, you know, just, I think both teams are still very good. It's just an awesome game. Um, I'd say my other big takeaway, Franklin, Brentwood, Ravenwood, uh, after two weeks, one win between them. That's a little bit strange. Uh, we all we spend a lot of time talking about how good that region is, and I think it's still pretty good, but strange start for them out in Williamson County. Not something we all necessarily expected, and, and Franklin's offense is really struggling. I think Brentwood's a little further along than Franklin, and Ravenwood certainly I think will be okay, but Franklin's offense has uh, struggled to start. So those were a couple of my takeaways. Those teams, in fairness, have played very difficult schedules, and we still have some, I think, three 0-2 teams in the Main Street Preps Top 25 rankings, and I was getting some grief from that about that the other day. I had to explain, well, you know, Independence has played CPA and Lipscomb Academy, and Brentwood has played you know, Father Ryan and Blackman, and on and on, you know. So we'll, we'll see how they do um, when, when the schedule maybe lightens out a little bit. But, yeah, and, and along those lines, too, I was at the Lipscomb Academy Independence game, and wow. Lipscomb Academy and knew figured they'd be pretty good. Most all of their top players from last year were juniors on that runner up team in division two double A. But wow, I don't think I don't think any of us expected just the absolute beatdown that they gave independence uh, on Friday, sixty two to seven. And that was after uh beating Great Atlanta Christian the previous week, seventy six to seven. So it's like hundred and thirty eight to fourteen through their first two games, not too shabby. Um, Alex Broom, six rushing touchdowns. He looked great. And then Luther Richardson, who they didn't even really need the other day, um, I think only had two or three incompletions after having a perfect week uh, in week one. So, yeah, Lipscomb Academy just looks like they're all all around defense, offense, um, a very strong team. And it, it'll be great to see them play CPA because that, you know, that might be their only competition all year on their schedule. Um, and then... Also in Nashville, Pearl Cone, I think we got to give a, a hat tip to them, and we're going to talk to their coach in a, in a little bit here. 26-21 to 21 over NBA after NBA had given Ravenwood just uh, shellacking the week before. So I don't think too many of us expected that either. Barry on Brown, of course, he was back from his one-game suspension, ran for over 200 yards and a couple touchdowns. That certainly had a big part in in the result there. Uh, but the Firebirds, man, they look good, and, um, and they just – have all kinds of talent on the field despite 
any losses they had to graduation. So they're definitely a player in class four, a maybe the favorite there, um, depending on who else emerges from West Tennessee. And finally, father Ryan, they might be back. It's, it's been a little while since father Ryan was, um, I guess relevant. You could say in the D two triple a state title picture, they, they did make the playoffs last year, despite starting their season late, they were able to kind of get a couple wins at the end of the year and, and sneak in there. But They've looked really good so far. Two wins over uh, East Nashville and then Brentwood last week, 26-13 over Brentwood. Um, there's nothing overly flashy about them. They they don't have like they have a, a good quarterback, but not one of these um, five-star, four-star recruit quarterbacks like some of the other teams we've talked about. But uh, they have a pretty good running game and a defense that seems to not give up a lot of points. So that's a pretty good combination, even though their competition is going to be tough. Uh, you know, Brentwood Academy, NBA, Pope Prep, and we'll talk about the Pope prep father Ryan game a little bit later on, but those were a few, of my takeaways some of the teams that have really impressed um, in ways that maybe we didn't think that they would. Yeah. I mean, what can, what can you say about, uh, about Pearl Cone and Barry Brown? I mean, that's, that was, I don't know. I'm not the best picker. I've, I've missed some big ones in the past and uh, I missed that one, but man, I just, I, I did not, NBA is not a bad football team. And, um, a couple of Barry on Brown's runs made, made that defense look slow and it's not a slow defense. So super impressive there. Um, we're, we're Russell, we're kind of slogging our way through uh, in regards to some COVID cancellations. We ended up with, I believe at the end of the last week, 30 at the time of the recording of this podcast, we are at, I believe 13. So uh, it's not an, it's not a very good trend as far as the season goes, I'm, I know everybody hopes that this gets turned around in, in one way or another, but I, I don't quite know what to make. I think the the probably the worst thing for right now is that the less games that maybe some teams are playing, maybe you're looking at some playoffs that aren't quite as crisp. But, I mean, I, I don't know. You, you saw the playoffs last year. They were still good. It was still an exciting brand of football, right? Yeah, it was, and and there was teams that played in the playoffs, even though they had a bunch of quarantine players. So I, I guess it's probably too early to make any assumptions about that. But yeah, it, last week on the show, I don't know how many games have been canceled by the time we recorded, but it ended up being about thirty games or so last week. And uh, you know, recording this on a Tuesday morning, there's already been thirteen. We expect that there will be others. Um, it's really unfortunate, but yeah, I mean, something, something's going to have to change uh, with how people are doing things if we, if we want this to turn around. So, you know, I, I will just leave that, I guess, to the people in charge to figure out what's best, but yeah, it's, it's not been a good trend to start the season to say the least. And some of it, some of it is just, you can't control it. This is what uh, coach crazy was saying last week. You know, you can't necessarily control a virus. I mean, you can try and, Right. Some of these teams are just running into it, and it, it, it does just happen. I think it just is uh, – it's too bad, and we've all got our fingers crossed that that everybody stays healthy. I think that's the main thing. I think the things to look forward – the things to look at moving forward are what changes do occur, if any. I do believe that the TSSAA will step in and uh, pull some – and make some mandates if they need to. If for no other reason, then you just don't want to flirt with any possible uh, chance that the that the playoffs are affected. Because when you look at back at their finances, how they were able to make up big losses 
from 2020, the football playoffs were a big savior in that. So they don't want to risk the playoffs being in any sort of jeopardy. Now, last year, they still were able to have them and they still made a lot of money, but their bottom line is still their bottom line. They can't, they can't risk not making money off those football playoffs. So I do believe that they'll, at some point they will step, I guess, whatever you want to call this a big prediction. I think they'll step in and do something at some point during the regular season, just to sort of, I think if the year were to go by and the playoffs were affected and that organization never stepped in and did anything, they would regret it just as, just as sort of a due diligence. I think they'll, they'll want us to look back and say they did that. So we'll have to see. It's, it's a downer, but um, it's just part of, it's just part of football right now. Uh, I sort of more on a more uplifting note, Waverly central high school football is going to be getting back on the field this Friday at Sycamore, of course, their community was devastated by the, the flood in Humphreys County and doesn't certainly doesn't solve anything, but it'll be it'll be nice to see those football players get a chance to get back on the field and do something to take their minds off what has kind of gone on at home. And for people in the community to, you know, if they're willing to make that drive to Sycamore, I think that would be a good distraction as well. So not it's uh yeah we're, we're thrilled for them that they they get to have something going on absolutely and if and if we've shared this link before but if you want to help out and you haven't already you can go to wearewaverly.com to do so so great to see them getting back out there uh tyler another i, I guess it's not necessarily uplifting or 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 a downer here this is just kind of a fascinating story um i'm sure many of you saw what happened on Sunday uh, on ESPN? I can't remember if it's ESPN or ESPN two. Bishop Sycamore played for a, a supposedly an online charter charter school from Columbus, Ohio. Played IMG Academy and lost fifty eight to nothing. And I think IMG Academy called the dogs off at some point, but uh, it, it got pretty ugly. I was actually happened to watch a little bit of the game, and I didn't catch on to the fact that um, Bishop Sycamore was essentially a, a fraudulent team. But of course, woke up Monday morning and saw all the stories about that. And man, what a what a wild story! So like, they somehow duped their way into playing on ESPN. There is a a group I think it's called Paragon Marketing Group that organizes all of the high school games for ESPN. I guess they outsource this you know this group to try to find good games and get it all set up because obviously you know that's a lot of work. And I guess the ESPN employees have other things to do, so they they outsource that. And um, that group. Somebody pulled a fast one on them. There's this coach at, at Bishop Sycamore that I guess got a game scheduled with IMG Academy, who is notoriously desperate for games because nobody wants to play them. Uh, Ravenwood actually played them here in Brentwood last year and um, actually held their own for you know two and a half quarters, which is pretty impressive. But IMG Academy, essentially, they've got all the top recruits in the nation, if you're not familiar, and they play a national schedule. And so they basically try to go around and, play other top high schools or just really anybody that is willing to play them. And I guess Bishop Sycamore was willing to play them. They got it set up to play at the hall of fame stadium in Canton, Ohio. And they got ESPN to televise the game, despite the fact that Bishop Sycamore had absolutely no business being on the field out there. They, uh, they didn't have any re- top recruits to speak of, even though their coach said that they did. Um, it looks like in some of my own research that I did, some of the players that they had been propping up uh, had already graduated high school at least according to the 24-7 sports database. And then at least one guy looked like he'd already played in junior college. Um, people were tweeting out photos of 
some of the players that looked like just grown adult men that couldn't possibly be under 18, couldn't possibly be high school kids. So I, I don't know what happened. I don't know how this got through, but uh, it's it's sad because some of the situations, you know, some of the former players from Bishop Sycamore are now speaking out of kind of how bad the conditions were and how some of them got kind of, I guess, duped out of money and, and there's false promises because all these guys are just trying to make it to college somehow, somehow, some way to get a scholarship. And um, apparently this coach talks a big game and uh, I'm not sure that they've really placed anybody in any major colleges. And um, it sounds like he's just kind of running, running away with the money and uh, yeah. And somehow got on ESPN and now the whole thing kind of got blown up. So I, Tyler, did you get a chance to see any of that game or did, what, what do you make of just this kind of ridiculous story, national high school football story? Uh, it's a lot. It's a lot to to uh, dive into. I, I I start here. Uh, it is it is ridiculous what's what's going on um, with this coach that has has put these players in this position. Although I, I'm with you, I think maybe the end result is these players want to go to college, and uh, there's it's that that's there's a sad part here. It sounds like there's some fraudulent stuff going on. And obviously there's nothing about those guys playing IMG is going to help them get to college. But my, my biggest, the, the, my biggest takeaway from this is the mistake that ESPN and Paragon made by helping prop up this matchup. How did they miss this? Uh, Paragon is not, uh, they do not just book ESPN's high school football games. Paragon is a, a well-regarded sports marketing group and they, they have their hand in practically every professional sport that you can imagine. And they obviously in this instance, people had this figured out through Google within two days of research people. And I'm not talking, and I'm talking people like non-traditional media people. If you could do it from your home computer and figure out that this is not a real school, it, it would, it, it took people virtually no time to figure out that this was all fraudulent, false, whatever you want to call it. Not a real school, not a real team. They played two games in two days, these players. And then they played IMG Academy, which might as well be, they could probably finish fourth in the AAC. You know, I mean, I don't know. I'm just saying they're that they they're that's the amount of talent that's there. It's college prep talent, good college prep talent. And but back to my original point, Paragon, we all figured this out in two days from our home computers. Paragon is a is, is a just as legitimate as it gets sports marketing firm and and book this guest for ESPN to the point where or book this team to the point where ESPN put them on national television. And, those are the and, and Tyler, they even they even sent out. I don't mean to cut you off there. They even sent out a press release advertising some of the top players on Bishop Sycamore, and those guys, you know, it's don't terrible. really have the offers that supposedly they did. And then even the ESPN announcers, who were put in a horrible spot here, because I it looked to me that they were calling the game remotely, that they were not actually there in person. Were, it was Anish Shroff and uh, Tom Luganbill, and they, I mean, even during the game, they. I watched, you know, I went back and watched a decent part of the game and they talked about IMG the whole time because they didn't have any information on Bishop Sycamore. And they even came out and said like, hey, the coach told us all this, but we couldn't verify it when we looked it up, you know, on the internet. Just unbelievable stuff. Yeah, I mean, 
there's a, like I said, there's a lot to dive into for these guys to just, they're calling it remotely, you know, and I'm not trying to blame these announcers too much. I think they figured out what was going on by like halftime, but if you can't verify that stuff, I mean, they're, you know, these announcers are game prepping for a high school game. It's obviously not ESPN's main course as far as programming and they're diving into it. What maybe the night before, I mean, on Friday, there's not enough work going in. It's just mind blowing to me. The, the amount uh, or lack thereof of preparation on the media and the sports marketing side that got this game on television. I don't know how you pull. I don't know what has to happen for you to pull a plug on a game and what you have to do to replace it with programming. But I think if you figure out by two days before that one of the teams that you basically are going to put on national television is not real and shouldn't be on national television and shouldn't play IMG Academy, I think you – I don't know. I'm not in that business, but I would, I would think you could pull the plug on it. And I don't know, run NFL history. I, I have no clue. I, I really don't. And, but you know who normally reports on this stuff when this happens? ESPN. And I would like to see ESPN's own reporters go in and figure out what happened. Cause that's, I, unless I'm missing it, that's the one thing I haven't seen. And that's the one report I haven't seen uh, is their own internal investigation or, you know, turn loose one of your reporters. If another, if Fox pulled this, ESPN would be all over them. Uh, where you know, with their with their best insiders and their best investigative reporters, but that's what we haven't seen yet. And it's really just it's it's pretty sad that I think on the programming side and the and the marketing side that this that they let this happen. A lot of other sad things happening in the story that you mentioned too, but that's the one I keep coming back to. It's just it is bizarre. And that's too bad. So it's safe to say we probably won't get the 30 for 30 from ESPN on this one since they're a little bit embarrassed. But anyway, <laughs> Also, so if, you, if you're looking for a game this week, don't call Bishop Sycamore. Right. So, well, let's let's talk to somebody who is potentially looking for a game this week. Their game's been canceled, but let's talk some legitimate football. Here is Pearl Cone coach Tony Brunetti. Pearl Cone head coach Tony Brunetti with us this week, coming off of uh, just a massive win last week at NBA. Tony, how are you doing? I'm doing fine. I appreciate you having on. We saw the news today that the Pearl Cone Hillwood game for this Thursday has been canceled. Uh, are you guys looking for a replacement game there, or uh, are you just going to take the off week and kind of well, recover? I'm going to take, take the off week. People have been reaching out to me, and we thought about it real. We really thought about it real hard. And I'm going to take this week and just rest. I'm, we're going to practice still. We'll start getting ready for Creekwood, the TV game next week. But we're going to let the kids have a little break. Yeah, I, we, we've seen kind of that be a trend. Just across the area with all the cancellations, I mean, is it? how does it benefit your team having that extra kind of bye week in there to, to recover and just get some extra uh, practice time? It, it benefits in a way. We're still going to work. You know, we still believe in, you know, kids getting in the weight room and still, you know, train every day. We do it anyway. Game week, not no game week. Uh, but I think that they'll have a little break right there kind of helps. We've been going nonstop. I and mean, the kids were doing a great job this summer, about, you know, buying into the program, waiting to the training program, and taking advantage of everything we've been offering in the summertime, being here every day consistently. So, yeah, they, they don't, a break will really help them a lot, I think. <laughs> Tony, 
looking back to last week, I mean, how do you explain the magnitude of of the win at NBA and really the, the last two that you guys have had? How big are those kind of victories for your program and the ProCone community? Uh, I think the, the biggest thing is that I think that those type of wins and those type of programs, Cam Ridge has a good traditional program. They've been successful. They'll go to playoffs this year. I think to win that game in a just strong way, and then to come back the following week with the type of heat we had outside, we weren't able to do a lot of things and have more of a mental week than a real physical week. And to come and win a game against NBA, this, man, that's big. That's dramatic to the program, mental mindset of your team, and uh, and and help help your kids the future down the line to, to play those type of games and type of the, the type of environment and play. Like I said, the NBA is a very disciplined team. They, they don't make any mistakes, and they come out with a win. I think it's tremendous. And of course, Barry on Brown was a big part of that win. He had almost 300 yards, uh, total yards from scrimmage last week. What's it like drawing up plays for somebody like him who, who's capable of doing so many things for your team? I, I think we just stick to our game plan. I mean, and, and, and the plays we do, uh, I mean, he, he helped us through this game Friday and, and like he's supposed to. And then the night when we didn't have him the first game, the other kids stepped up and rose up. So we always have a game plan and we stick to our game plan and whatever is that position to help us, you know, He's successful. He's that one guy we knew that game that had a potential to do what he did. So. I mean, it's pretty clear why teams like Alabama and TCU are, are going after Barry on pretty hard. There have been a lot of great Procomb players before him, and can he? Do you think? Do you see him fitting into that category as kind of a, a potential Firebird great? You know, within the program, Tony. Yeah, I mean, he got the potential to go as far as he want to go. I mean, I think I think that uh, there's been a lot of great players that come to this program, and he's one of those ones that have potential to be there. The great one, one of the great ones to come through here uh, and finish on and go a long way in, uh, in the college, you know, lifestyle, college field playing, and maybe to the next level is up to him, the pathway too. Tony, back I'm to that sorry. NBA game, you guys were able to hold a good running team to only 162 yards rushing. How was your defense able to do that and kind of keep the Marcel Reed and, and their running backs contained? I didn't know what the total was. I didn't know what the rush total was. I, I know the biggest thing is that up front wise, we got some really talented tackles up front. These type of kids that we rotate, and all of them very athletic and very physical and strong. And they've done a great job, man, all season in that weight room. It's showing. It's showing. Especially we get into a three-man from the I mean, a five-man front. It's, I mean, we're pretty rough. It gets run we want to. But when we base out of four two five, but them two guys inside and that linebackers, they do a good job of working together, man, and stop the run. They rough. They demand double teams. I ain't going to lie to you. I gave it to them. Talking with Pearl Cone coach Tony Brunetti, uh, Tony, let's talk about your quarterback position. I know that's a spot that before the year you were trying to figure out what you wanted to do. And just looking at last week, Keyshawn uh, Tarleton was 7-10 passing for 118 yards and a touchdown, no interceptions. When did you settle on him as your starter, and how do you think he's taken his role in the offense? I think we made a decision on game day, the week of the game day. You know, it came down to the wire between him and another kid. And I think we decided to go with the, just go with Keyshawn. And uh, I think the first game, he kind of blew us away. I mean, I think he kind of struggled during the scrimmages. And I think he got his composure together. When he played that first game, he kind of just blew us away. He kind of turned to a whole other person <laughs> and, and did well. So I think, we, you know, things went well. So the team, you know, we won. So I think they kind of put him in that situation now to leave for the rest of the season as long as he stay focused. And, Tony, you, you already had plenty of guys that could run the ball well. And then last week it came across that – Brandon Conard, MTSU commitment, has transferred from Riverdale to Pearl Cone. Uh, has he been able to join the team? And and if so, or when he, whenever he joins the team, is able to play, uh, what do you think he, he's going to bring to the team? 
But I, I think I may have bring some good aspects of the thing, you know, uh he's gonna you know, be in some other help us with some other roles as well because we do have a real talent backfield. I mean, I think that he can do his part and add a whole lot to the to the what we have already. Everything's about a team concept and a team mindset. You know, I think as long as you can buy into that team mindset, I think you can bring a lot to the table. All right, I'm gonna I'm gonna hit, I'm gonna shift to the heavy hitting questions now, Tony. Uh, when is the next time we're gonna be able to hear catfish over the public address system? And uh, for those who don't know, catfish is a pro cone legend. Uh, have you missed hearing him this season? He's at every game, so you got you don't miss him. Uh, I guess y'all probably heard already. Our stadium is getting renovated, and it might not be ready until October. So our first game will be at, our first home game will be at Hunters Lane. On the seventeenth, so you'll probably hear him there, but we won't be playing at Procon until after November, after October. Probably. What kind of renovations are you guys doing over there at Procon to the stadium? Um, they're remodeling the concession stand, remodeling the uh, bathrooms. They're changing the way entrance way where you come in now, or ticket booth wise. They're uh, added an eight lane track to the field. Um, at the same time, they re- they tore down all those visitor bleachers and redone those. Added another probably thousand seats that side. Uh, they remodeling the press box for us. Uh, so it, yeah, it's gonna be different when y'all come. Everybody see it, it's gonna be different. We ain't get no turf. I wish we could get some turf, but now nah, I got that's something to come next. I guess. But <laughs> but the good the good part is the most part <laughs> the most part we ain't been paying on it, so it should be in good shape. <laughs> well, that's awesome, Tony. We're glad that I mean that. Uh, New renovations are always welcome, and um, you know anywhere you're at. And uh, hopefully, we're hoping you guys get back on the on the field as soon as possible. Yeah, enjoy your, it, it, enjoy it, some it, home it, field advantage. It, it's different not playing at home. You know, we used to our, our home fields a lot different. Where people come visit us and stuff, and uh, and here at Catfish, but Catfish gonna have a you know a new sound system. He can talk all he wants. Have his own little private room. He's gonna be ready to go. I'm gonna look forward to him down the line. <laughs> oh, you guys better send you guys better send a notification out to those houses over there next to the stadium. Let them know they're gonna have to you're gonna have to hear him a little bit louder from now on. Yeah, I'm happy to. These shows gonna let it ride. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> All right, well, Tony, thanks so much for joining us, man. We appreciate you. Man, I appreciate y'all. I appreciate y'all support. Uh, we just taking one game at a time, and I think I think we'll see what happens at the end. And that's how we're gonna approach this season. Sounds good, Coach. Thank you. time to take a look at some of the biggest week three matchups and give our picks for them first up is riverdale at blackman tyler how do you see that game playing out i have got riverdale 31 14 i haven't seen riverdale play but i'm i'm gonna I'm, I'm sold on their defense based on the scores they haven't given up a point so far this year and uh, in, in a couple of Relatively tough games in Franklin and Rossview. I think we talked a little bit about the Herring brothers before the year um, and, and kind of what they can, what they're capable of to make that a really tough defensive front. And I would say, based having not seen them, but based on the scores, I, I think something's working with that defense. So I'm going with Riverdale 31 14. Yep, I'm, I'm right there with you. Blackman did upset. Uh, Brentwood, or I don't know if we can even call it an upset, but they did beat Brentwood 38 to 35 in Week One. That was a great win for them and Chandler Tigard's debut. And then last week their game was canceled against Gallatin, so they haven't um, had two games out there. But uh, regardless, I agree with you that Riverdale uh, should beat Blackman in that one. 
Next up is Father Ryan at Pope Prep, formerly known as JP2. I've got Father Ryan pulling out a close one here, 31-28 for the Bishop's Cup between the two Catholic high schools in Nashville. Father Ryan is coming off a 26-13 win over Brentwood, which is um, a really great win for them. And uh, there's some thought maybe they are back kind of in the relevancy there in Division II AAA this year. Uh, They were able to sneak into the playoffs last year despite starting their season a little bit late. Uh, thanks to the great play of D.C. Tapscott, who's now at Appalachian State playing quarterback. Uh, they haven't won a state title since 1997, so it'll be uh, we'll keep an eye on Father Ryan at 2-0 here and chance to make it 3-0 if they win. Uh, and, a, and a big reason they've had success so far are Bryson Jackson and Steph Ponder have formed a great one-two punch in the backfield. They helped Father Ryan rush for almost 230 yards in that win over Brookwood, and the defense has only given up 19 points in two games. On the other side, though, you've got Kenny Minchie. He's already got several big-time college offers. He's just a junior. He's been really, really good in these first couple games. Both were blowouts, and he didn't play the entire game uh, both times, but he still threw nine touchdown passes and has yet to throw an interception. So there will probably be some points in this one, but I am giving Father Ryan the slight edge. I agree with you, Russell. I've got Father Ryan winning the Bishop's Cup. I love that. Uh, Father Ryan, 28-24. I was impressed uh, on paper. Didn't see it with the with the Brentwood win. It wasn't one that I had initially selected, but saw Father Ryan play some seven-on-seven. Seven. I know that's completely uh, different football than what we're talking about now, but was impressed with just kind of the way they carried themselves. Um, I think Matthew Derrick's a pretty good quarterback. It was uh, enjoyable watching him. Interesting, you mentioned their last state championship, 1997. Just a very uh, trivial side note here. Randy O'Brien, um, as I was writing up a story yesterday about Brentwood Academy's wild kind of free kick against CPA last week, Brentwood Academy special teams coordinator Randy O'Brien actually on that Father Ryan 1997 state championship team. So I, I, didn't, I didn't realize it had been that long for them. Um, but in either case, back to reality, Father Ryan 28-24 on Friday you can always expect a great tidbit out of Tyler here on the Main Street Preps podcast. Uh, next up, we've got another private school game, Battleground Academy at CPA. Tyler, what about that one? Well, no great tidbits here, whether you like it or not. Um, I've got CPA 28-24. I think their defense is, is really good. I love their just overall resiliency, and I know that's kind of hard to quantify, but uh, they're getting a goal line stand to beat a good Brentwood Academy team Last week was really impressive, and uh, you know, on top of that, gave up just 304 total yards of offense. Which you know, in this day and age, I, I wouldn't be surprised to just see the passing numbers at 304 yards. So, uh, I, I, I'm all in on CPA at this point. I've got CPA 28-24. Cade Law, the sheriff, leads them to a, a close victory. Well, I think I'm I'm all in on CPA now, although. Anybody that's read my picks column the past couple weeks has seen that I have not been. I uh, picked Independence to beat them and Brentwood Academy to beat them. So now that I've taken the two losses there, I am siding with CPA over BGA here. Like you said, there's just something about them. Coach Ingle Martin does does a great job, and uh, they just they find ways to win just about every week. So I'm going with the, the safer pick there with CPA. And lastly, we've got Summit at Brentwood, a big region 7-6A showdown, which as we talked about, that's a region that struggled a little bit here in the early going with a lot of tough matchups. It's not going to get any easier for Brentwood this week having to go against the Wade Twins. And so I like Summit to take this one 35-24. Destin Wade uh, gets to 
hit the field again after an, after an off week following his week one performance where he ran for almost 300 yards and uh, three touchdowns, just put up just obscene stats, I think on like five or six carries. So he, Brentwood's going to have to find a way to keep him in check, and I don't know if he'll be able to do it. So I like the Spartans to take that one. Russell, I know we don't always agree every time, but this time we have agreed uh, with the exact same score. I've got Summit 35-24. I think Brentwood is slowly going to shake off kind of the start that they're under. They're replacing a lot of new guys. I think they're going to be able to hang in this one for a little bit, but their 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 slow, winless start is going to continue here. The Wade Twins are, are too much. Summit's, Summit's a legitimate contender, and and they're going to end up pulling away late 35-24 at Brentwood. Yeah, it's amazing that we're saying that about Summit when they just moved up from Class 5A, and usually, you know, you take a mulligan a year, you're moving up a classification, but no, they are they are right in the thick of things. You're right. Well, let's keep our fingers crossed, Tyler, that no more of these games get canceled. Uh, and with that, do you have any fi- final thoughts before we wrap it up here? No, let's just uh, keep this season rolling. You know, despite the cancellations, it's there. There have been some interesting results, and uh, it's. Um, yeah, I, I would expect that to continue. You know, as we get in here to region play. Well, thanks everybody for tuning in. You can keep up with all the crazy news. Hopefully, no cancellations. But if there are, we will have them on MainStreetPreps.com. You can also follow us on Twitter at MainStreetPreps and like us on Facebook just by typing in MainStreetPreps. So thanks again, and we will see you all back here next week on the Main Street Preps podcast. You've been listening to the Main Street Preps podcast, your source for high school sports in Middle Tennessee with your host, Russell Venosi and Tyler Palmatier. For more on high school sports in Middle Tennessee, visit MainStreetPreps.com.